stories, spirituality, pathways, and aliens. You're here on The Long Road Home. Hello, everybody. Hello. I'm Chad. And I'm Emily. Welcome to another episode of The Long Road Home. Yay! Yeah, Welcome. we're Welcome. back. We're not sick anymore. I don't feel like total dog shit from the coronavirus vaccine that came and went. I'm feeling good. Dude, we're like moved in, vaxxed up, ready for hot girl summer. Yeah, let's ready. do it. I'm so ready for hot girl summer. You don't we even say know. as it's snowing. Yes. Oh, man, I said I wasn't going to talk about the weather. Anyway. Yeah, we tried to make a commitment to that. Uh, it's okay. I already busted it, but it's snowing. Yeah. So it's May. Well, Emily... While we've been moving in, has been looking at wallpaper, and she found a really cool one. You guys, I am so freaking stoked on what I found for our house. I can't decide which one to get, but maybe I'll have to throw them. Maybe I'll throw them up in the Discord and let you guys help us decide. So I've been looking for peel and stick removable wallpaper uh, for our new home, just to make it like, just to really make it ours. I've always wanted to give it a go, um, but I wanted to find something that was like unique to us. And I came across this like beautiful, gosh, what's the the name for this pattern? There's a name for that type of pattern. Is it Toile de Joy? Yes, it is. It's called Toile. So um, Toile is a fabric from the French word meaning linen, cloth, or canvas. And it's like that old school, like fancy people doing things print. Oh, where it's like an old man fishing on a bridge. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. So I found a toile wallpaper, but instead of fancy people doing fancy things, it's people getting abducted by aliens. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Ah! Sweet. It's like very, uh, it's uh, nonchalant. Yes. It like on first glance, I don't think that you would even notice anything's wrong. But then if you look closer, like hidden in the images, there's like a person literally in the air being abducted by a UFO. It's pretty sweet. We're probably going to have to get that. Maybe even for our podcasting room. Yeah, that would be sweet. That would be really cool. Uh, yeah, you guys will have to put, we'll post a link in the Discord for it. It's really cool. Maybe you guys want it. She also found a really cool one. It reminds me of like uh, Princess Mononoke. I'm an anime nerd. Oh, yeah. And there's like some little green dudes chilling in the forest, uh, meditating, getting high shit. Yeah, I'm assuming, hanging out with and some just mushrooms. Chilling. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So we're going to get one of those. We got to share them with uh, stick on wallpapers. It's a new thing. I think it's pretty, pretty nifty. And we're just, you know, we need some advice. If you guys have any decorating advice, let us know. The LRHshow at gmail.com. Tell us what to put in our house. Awesome. Well, yeah, so we've been doing that. I've been watching some horror movies. I watched In the Tall Grass this week. That How was, was that? It was super. I mean, it was. I'm not going to say it was super good. It was uh, good enough. I enjoyed it. I think that everyone did a pretty good job that was in it. And uh, the main, the main, uh, I don't know, antagonist, I guess you would call him. He did a pretty good job of being like kind of creepy. Mm. So highly recommend it. It's not exactly what I thought it was, guys. It's not plant-based evil in the in a way that you would think like M. Night Shyamalan's. What was that plant movie that he had where it's like the pollen turned, made everyone kill themselves? Oh, yeah. The one with the, um, oh God, like the tree. It was the trees all along. It was something like that. Yeah. It, that movie was highly disappointing to me. I was I was so, that was the last M. Night Shyamalan movie I the watched. The Happening? Yeah, The Happening. That was the yeah. last one I watched. I might have walked out of the theater. I was like, <laughs> it was ridiculous. I Wait. just remember like Wait, the dude's so Wee Chanel is in that movie? That maybe that's why I walked out. I don't know. She Weird. doesn't seem like a good horror actress. No, no, not a scream queen. No, I mean she has like the big eyes for horror. Yeah, like, that's to look horrified. It. But that's all she's got going <laughs> yeah. on. The rest of it's just a little too quirky. Yeah, too many guitar acoustic guitar songs for yeah. for her to be in a horror movie. But yeah, don't watch that movie. Instead, watch In the Tall Grass. It is way better, and it's written by my favorite author Stephen King. Or the novella was him and his oh, son. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it was written by him and his son. They Aww. changed it and put it into a movie into a movie form. And yeah, it was pretty good. So I highly recommend it. But uh, yeah, we've been watching a lot of spooky shit. And speaking of spooky, we're talking about something a little bit spookier than we have been in the past couple of weeks. If you don't think that uh, alien religion is scary, this <laughs> might get your goat. It's been used over the decades as a mean of communicating with the dead, or at least some people would want you to believe that. Although it wasn't necessarily intended for real use, some people swear it's a legitimate way to reach the other side. It's also one of the scarier tools you can use in one of my favorite games, Phasmophobia. If the title didn't already give it away, today we're talking about Ouija boards. Ooh. This is going to be a silly one. Um, I, I have a Ouija board. It's sitting downstairs. It is the Hasbro one. It's made of cardboard, and I love it. 
So definitely a controversial subject in the paranormal community. I think they, uh, I like them. I, I have one. I think they're really fun to just play around with. And I had an experience of my own that I'll be talking about later. Yay. I'm excited for you to share your experience. Yeah, I have a lot of stuff that I haven't really talked about. Uh, that Strange things that have happened to me and my family over the years. And I don't know if it's, uh, we always said we were cursed and maybe we are. I don't know. Look where I'm at today making a podcast. So we'll see. I know. It's almost like. You've had events that have led you to this podcast. Yeah, I mean, really, shape me. That we haven't shared with our audience at all. No, spooky shit made me who I am today and definitely led to my interest in all this stuff. But yeah, anywho, we'll talk about that later. Uh, Let's go ahead and get started. Awesome. Before we do, though, let's list our sources. We don't have a lot today. We have an article from BaltimoreMagazine.com, SmithsonianMag.com, and Vox.com. And uh, we also got our stories that we're going to be talking about later because I've got some to share some like personal Ouija accounts. Yeah, from InTheKnow.com, Ranker.com, and Reddit. Awesome. A lot of the history we're going to be talking about comes specifically from the Smithsonian article, which itself draws heavily from the information collected by Robert Murch, who has been researching the story of the board since 1992. Yeah, he is the... I've seen his name pop up in pretty much every single article on Ouija boards that I found. He is the the end-all, be-all source for knowledge on the spooky board. Prior to his research, he claims very little was known about the origins of the talking board, or at least nobody really cared until he decided it was important. The Ouija board, in fact, comes straight out of the American 19th century obsession with spiritualism. Spiritualism, for those of you who don't know, is a religious movement that was based on the belief that the spirits of the dead exist. Not only do the spirits of the dead exist, but they have both the ability and the inclination to communicate with the living. The afterlife, or the spirit world, is seen by spiritualists as not a static place, but as one in which spirits continue to evolve. These two beliefs, that contact with spirits is possible and that spirits are more advanced than humans, lead spiritualists to a third belief, that spirits are capable of providing useful knowledge about moral and ethical issues as well as about the nature of God. We saw that in our Nelly episode. The very first American ghost. That's right. Go listen to that one. Take a pause if you want to and go enjoy that wonderful slice of entertainment. They were like, teach us, Nelly. Oh, she did. She literally took them on a walk. She did. She literally showed them the way. This belief system has been around for years in Europe and exploded in America hard in 1848 with the sudden prominence of the Fox Sisters of upstate New York. The foxes claimed to receive messages from spirits who rapped on the walls and answered to questions, recreating this feat of channeling in in parlors across the state. The Fox sisters were definitely the most famous duo in the United States, but they weren't the only people claiming to see ghosts. All over the U.S., people were holding seances and inviting spiritualists like the Fox sisters into their homes. Unfortunately, for most of these affluent folk, they were almost definitely being swindled. The Fox sisters are now noted as being con artists, using simple tricks to convince paying customers they were in contact with the dead. Yeah, just like uh, many of the grifters back then, they were literally just feeding off people's emotions. Uh, This really started happening like after the Civil War, and uh, people just want to talk to their dead folk. And these people came in and was like, I have a way for you to do that. So these spiritualists came in, they were, or the spiritualist movement allowed for these quote-unquote middlemen to come in between the living and the dead and make a little bit of money while they were doing it. And they were just essentially just fucking lying to people, and they would go and, like, knock their toes on the floor and stuff and, like, convince people that they were, like, hearing the rappings of ghosts. The It was the new TV yeah, absolutely, like a form of entertainment. Yeah, everyone, like it was like the new going to watch someone get hung. Hanged, oh, hanged. Hung is not a word. Uh, you're right. Yeah. Well, it is, but oh. not that way. No. <laughs> oh. Hey. hey. Okay. Aided by the stories about the celebrity sisters and other spiritualists in the new national press, spiritualism reached 8 million adherents in its peak in the second half of the 19th century. Honestly, that's a lot. That's, that's, that's a, a whole lot. lot of I didn't people. realize that it was that big of a movement. No, me either. Spiritualism worked for Americans. It was compatible with Christian dogma, meaning one could hold a seance on a Saturday night and have no qualms about going to church the next day. It was an acceptable, even wholesome activity to contact spirits at seances through 
automatic writing or table turning parties in which participants would place their hands on a small table and watch it begin to shake and rattle while they all declared that they were in move. I wasn't it's moving not it. Me, Elizabeth. It wasn't me. Was it you? Was it you? No, <gasps> Jebediah, was it, it you? It was the no. ghost. It was the ghost. The movement also offered solace in an era when the average lifespan was less than 50. Women died in childbirth, children died of disease, and men died in war. Even Mary Todd Lincoln, wife of the venerable president, conducted seances in the White House after their 11-year-old son died of a fever in 1862. During the Cold War, spiritualism gained adherence in droves, people desperate to connect with loved ones who'd gone to war and never come home. Following the American Civil War in the U.S., mediums did significant business in allegedly allowing survivors to contact lost relatives. As mediums began to employ various means for communication with the dead, the Ouija itself was created and named in Baltimore, Maryland in 1890. That's really when it garnered its name. But even before then, the use of talking boards was so common by 1886 that news reported the phenomenon taking over the spiritualists' camps in Ohio. Yeah, they were eating it up. Right. So before, like, the established board was made, people were making their own and using them in these camps, I'm assuming. Yeah. In 1890, a man named Charles Kennard pulled together a group of four other investors, including Elijah Bond, a now-unknown local attorney, and a surveyor named Colonel Washington Bowie, to start the Kennard Novelty Company to exclusively make and market these new talking boards. None of the men were spiritualists, really, but all of them were keen businessmen, and they'd identified a niche. Contrary to popular belief, Ouija is not a combination of the French for yes, or we, oui, and the German, ja. <laughs> Merch says, based, I did not know that that was the theory behind yes, yes. Ouija. The yes, yes board. <laughs> yes, yes board. <laughs> um, Merch says that based on his research, it was Bond's sister-in-law, Helen Peters, who supplied the now instantly recognizable handle. Sitting around the table, they asked the board what they should call it. The name Ouija came through. Eerie and cryptic, except for the fact that Peters acknowledged that she was wearing a locket bearing the picture of a woman, the name Ouija, above her head. That's the story that emerged from the Ouija's founder's letters. It's very possible that the woman in the locket was famous author and popular women's rights activist Ouija, whom Peters admired, and that Ouija was just a misreading of that. Yeah, so they were uh, creating some canon right from the start. They they had a good backstory, kind of creepy, kind of eerie, and uh, this was sort of the beginnings of a company that was just uh, going to spit out these talking boards over the next several decades. Yeah, they were just hopping on an already existent movement. So, the name Ouija was given to the talking board by Elijah Bond when he patented a version for commercial sale. Apparently, he had bad patents on a bunch of other stuff because that's just what you did back then, I guess. Every I would be patenting everything because you never know what's going to take off. No one thought toilet paper did, I bet. And look at that guy now. Is there a toilet paper guy? Who's the toilet paper guy that's doing so good? I don't know. The heir to the toilet paper fortune. I'm sure there's <laughs> I'm an sure heir there's to Charmin. That, that dude is uh, has three DUIs already, but it doesn't matter because all he does is hang out and smoke weed all day because he's like the fifth TP generation gash. toilet paper heir. I went to look and see if I could find any of those patents, the other patents that he made. And with the minimal effort I put into my Google search, I could not. Aww. What I did find was that he actually sold the rights to the Ouija board to the Kenner Novelty Company, which I think we talk about in a minute. Uh, but by 1907, he had actually relocated to West Virginia, where he started a new company to produce a knockoff of the board that he called Nirvana. What? Yeah. So wait, he created the board, created, had the patent, sold the patent, and then made a knockoff version of his own product? Yeah, apparently he lost it and he couldn't do it anymore, so he had to totally just make another new thing. Wow. And I, I don't think it did it very well, mostly because he did this under his newly established company name, whose branding would never go out of style, the Swastika Knockoff. Novelty Company. Oh, no. Yeah, not great. So we all know the swastika was just sort of around until the Nazi party. Can I just can't imagine how many businesses were completely upended by these fuckers. Wasn't it like a symbol of peace? It was, yeah, it was, uh, I think it was, it might have been Tibetan. I can't remember. But, um, yeah, so they, you know, obviously they took it over. Now, no one can use it because uh, once a Nazi gets a hold of something, it's pretty much null and void. It's ruined. Yeah, but I just... I know so many things prior to that were just totally, that had to change everything. All the branding had to change. 
Here we are in 1930, hun. We've sunk our life's fortune to our new company, the Swastika Sauerkraut Company, here in these fair United States, and it's only up, up for us from here, babe. Because sauerkraut oh, also no. was banned <laughs> in the United States. They took it away during World War II because they didn't want Really? Yeah. Didn't no German things were allowed. I didn't Nothing. know that sauerkraut <laughs> was ba- banned, but man, yeah, that's um, that's yeah. rough. If you thought like, and it actually, I looked it up. It means conducive to well-being. So it literally like people were probably using it as like a everything's good symbol. Signing off with their letters. Yeah. XOXO and, swastika. And then it just uh, got abused. Oh, by the way, for those of you wondering, uh, it does have its origins are in Hinduism. Oh, I was close. Yeah. So apparently, in order for Bond to get a patent for the new board, they had to prove that it worked. Knowing they were, in fact, selling a piece of thin wood, Bond decided to bring along Helen Peters to help him sell the fact that he could most definitely talk to dead people with it. At the patent office, the chief patent officer demanded a demonstration. You scrawny man, if you desire to get your spooky board patented, you must tell me my name. And not my Christian name, the name I use when I play sub to my mistress. (laughs) If the board could accurately spell out his name. Okay, so this is legit. This is so funny. Yeah, this happened. It's not his sub name, but you know. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe it was. (laughs) Um... If the board could accurately spell out his name, which was supposed to be unknown to Bond and Peters, he'd allow the patent application to proceed. They all sat down, communed with the spirits, and according to the tale, the planchette faithfully spelled out the patent officer's name. Small Peter Neener. <laughs> oh, no. He, it's okay. He enjoyed being called that. You're right. It's a different time for those oh people. God. They were hiding in the shadows, all oh of them. Oh, my God. It was all. It was happening. I don't care what people say. This show has, has been happening since the dawn of time. It's not some sort of new phenomenon. People are just going to have to get used to it. Robert Merck, the historian we mentioned earlier, says, quote, Whether or not it was mystical spirits or the fact that Bond, who was a patent attorney, may have just known the man's name. Well, that's unclear, Merck says. But on February 10th, 1891, a white-faced and visibly shaken patent officer awarded Bond a patent for his new toy or game. Yeah, I don't think he liked that label very Wild. much. Wild! Yeah, but that's what happened. That's how they got their patent. That's how the Ouija board got its patent. He literally had to go in there and use it on somebody. Uh-huh. Scheming. They've been scheming from the get-go. So, although the first patent gave absolutely no explanation on how it works... This is how the board we know and love today came to be. The lack of an explanation actually benefited the sellers of the Ouija board. It made it seem mysterious and supernatural, endowing its users with an ability they could not have without it. The less the Kennard Company said about how the board worked, the more mysterious it seemed, and the more people wanted to buy it. Merch states that ultimately it was a money maker. They didn't care why people thought it worked. Honestly, why would you care? I'm at the point in my life where if someone is stupid enough to buy a useless product from you under the guise of politics or some weird belief it's helping them, then just let them. I, that's what I think. Make your money. That's really and truly just do it. I think I would have been a great grifter. I'd sell shit to a shit salesman at wholesale price. I, I could do it. I think so. Give me enough time. Give me wine and dine him. At 69 him. I got it. Oh, Chad's making some bold claims. Oh, I could do it. I absolutely no problem. I really am jealous of like those early grifters. They just like selling all sorts of stupid stuff. Think about like pet rock, just pet rock, pet rock. I love that shit. They had no. That's overhead. the American dream, baby. I know. They just they had nothing. They didn't need anything. Someone could literally go outside and pick up a rock and make a fucking pet rock. But instead, they fucking they these people had a thriving business selling rocks. So all I'm saying is if you're out there swindling $70 t-shirts to QAnon believers who are proud they have to work 90 hours a week to make ends meet, you're doing God's work taking their money. So thanks. Someone's got to do it. Yeah, that space isn't going to fill itself. Exactly. Somebody's going to step into it, so it might as well be you. Well, the Ouija board was making money hand over foot. By 1892, the Kenner Novelty Company went from one factory in Baltimore to two in Baltimore, two in New York, Two in Chicago and one in London. Yeah, they exploded onto the scene. That's that's like a year. In uh-huh. a year they, they flipped that over. That's crazy. And by and by eighteen ninety three, Kennard and Bond were out. Owing to some internal pressures and the old adage about money changing everything. 
So they say. I found absolutely nothing else about that. I guess they all That's made their weird. money, and suddenly they were accusing one another of like, or not accusing one another, but like each one wanted to believe that they were the ones that like got the idea to patent it and all this bullshit. And so they just ended up fighting, and I guess some of them just couldn't take it, and they left, wow. which seems stupid because absolutely. you're making so much money. Like they blew up so quickly, and they were gone within a couple of years. That's um, doesn't seem like the best. It's very rock star. It doesn't, of doesn't them. seem very savvy. By this time, William Fold who'd gotten in on the ground floor of the fledgling company as an employee and stockholder, was running the company. In 1898, with the blessing of Colonel Bowie, the majority shareholder and one of only two remaining original investors, William licensed the exclusive rights to make the board. What followed were boom years for the fold and frustration for some of the men who'd been in on the Ouija board from the beginning. Public squabbling over who'd really invented it played out in the pages of the Baltimore Sun. In 1919, Bowie sold the remaining business interest in Ouija twofold, his protege, for one dollar. I don't know. I guess he was just sick of it. <laughs> he's, I've got plenty of money now. I guess now. by that time now, it's like, he's it's been sw- like 20 Scrooge years. He's Scrooge McDuck swimming through gold coins. Yeah. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it. Fold himself died in 1927 after a freak fall from the roof of his new factory. A factory, he said, that the Ouija board told him to build yeah pretty strange story he was looking or he was watching them install a flag Uh, an iron railing gave way and he fell off the roof of the building which it's still there apparently it's been converted into a senior apartment complex what uh yeah merch writes that on his deathbed the coroner's report said a broken rib had pierced his heart he made his children promise to never sell the ouija out of the family whoa yeah what a just super old gothic thing oh to have happened God. to him right oh that like made my stomach hurt his his own rib pierced his heart the folly of man oh my <laughs> god and now it's a senior center like jesus this that mm. just goes to show it doesn't matter what you do no one cares you died somewhere now old people walk now we're gonna it. have old people close to death wow that's weird oh anyway ah a senior center is an old Ouija board factory. Like, uh-huh. what? Definitely not haunted at all. Super not haunted. <laughs> <laughs> like, everything's that's fine like one there. One of the most haunted places on this it planet. It might be the haunted pla- most haunted place in America. <laughs> it's like, just like every day, there's a new ghost at the Ouija, the, <laughs> the old Ouija factory. It's actually a hold of hell in the janitor's closet. Oh, my God. Um. So, yeah, he made his children promise to never sell the Ouija out of the family, and they didn't. At least not until they felt enough time had passed. Eventually, four decades later, they sold the rights to Parker Brothers, which promptly moved Ouija to its base of operations in Salem, Massachusetts. It's pretty fucking badass. Oh my God. This is such How a rock and roll story. I love everyone that's involved in this. They're <laughs> like, we're going to take this to a spookier level. <laughs> In 1967, the first year it was headquartered in the town, infamous for its witch trials, Ouija sold two million boards. Yeah, they actually, that year they sold more than Monopoly did. What? Yeah, so they were, they blasted off. I think it's funny that a board used to communicate with the dead was sold against uh, the previous owner's will, and uh, they didn't think that he would come back to haunt them at all. After literally being in the business of death communicate dead people communication and also like dying on the premises yeah and using his last breath to say don't sell this out of the family and they're like well it's been 40 years i don't know why you would really and truly i mean you it's you're literally it's passive income at it this just point. sounds like that's how you get it you get cursed <laughs> it does it sounds like a curse has been immediately placed yeah. upon you yeah well, the fact that the Ouija board is still around today shows just how embedded it is in the human psyche. It's been around for almost, what did you say, say 130 years? 130 years. Yeah, we just did the math off mic. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> we did it off mic so you guys wouldn't hear us <laughs> <a> struggle. <laughs> yeah, just scratching our heads. Well, so the desire to reach out to lost loved ones or the ability to acquire a sixth sense is still as popular today as it was then. There was one group of people who didn't like the thought of the board becoming popular, though. Spirit mediums. Mm. Yes. For a long time. That's what I do. You're exactly right, Emily. For a long time, they were the middle ground between the living and the dead, and now they were going to be replaced by a board. They took our jobs. They They took took our jobs. It's like I said a few episodes, guys. Automation is coming for your job, whether you want to believe it or not. (laughs) 
I do not care. It's been happening for centuries. It has. I don't care how the human touch is required for whatever you're doing. A machine will absolutely do it better than you at some point in the near future. So just keep lying to yourself if you want, but it's coming. That goes out to YouTube medium. They took the spirit medium jobs. You think they're going to not come for yours? You're wrong. Throughout the time, the board has always been used by some group or another for various things, but during dire times, you can see a resurgence of the board as a communication tool. In the 1910s and 20s, with the devastations of World War I and the manic years of the Jazz Age and Prohibition and all that cocaine, they, we witnessed a huge surge in Ouija popularity. It was so normal that in May 1920, Norman Rockwell, illustrator of blissful 20th century domesticity, depicted a man and woman, Ouija board on their knees, communing with the beyond on the cover of the Saturday <gasps> Evening Post. What? Very hang common. Hang on, hang on. Norman, what? What? Norman Rockwell has an illustration of people playing Ouija? I need this framed and on our wall Yeah, now. we're going to have to look it up. That, Are that you kidding cool. me? Hold on. Hold, hold up. That is so cool. I want it now. <laughs> That's pretty sweet. That's Hell a pretty yeah. cool picture. Hell yeah, Norman. You're way cooler than I thought you were. Look at what the, all the squares have done to you. Look what look at what all the fucking prudes have done to the world. They have censored our history. They have removed the freaks from our our pop culture and I'm sick of it <laughs> and I'm we're bringing it back. Normalize Norman Rockwell's Ouija board painting. <gasps> that is so awesome. There's another one of a girl reading a guy's palm. Are you fucking kidding me? You know how many classic Christmas Norman Rockwell things? And Norman Rockwell, he's like the nuclear family. No, no, no. No. He was giving us all representation. It's just been removed from history. Censured. Mm -hmm. During the Great Depression, the Fold Company opened new factories to meet demand for the boards. Over five months in 1944, a single New York department store sold 50,000 of them. And that was in 1944. Don't forget, in 1967, they sold 2 million copies after the Parker Brothers bought them. So this game was just constantly being looked for and like purchased by people. That same year, in 1967, we saw more American troops in Vietnam. The counterculture summer of love in San Francisco and the race riots in Newark, Detroit, Minneapolis, and Milwaukee. So we see more turbulent times. We start to see more purchases. That's so interesting. Yeah. Like People are like feeling insecure in the world and wanting to find something a little more supernatural it's like i would be curious to know what the ouija sales numbers were last year oh my god yeah right I, sure they went up the same as guns i'm sure they spiked strange ouija board tales also made frequent titillating appearances in american newspapers in 1920 national wire services reported that would-be crime solvers were turning to their ouija boards for clues in the mysterious murder of a new york city gambler joseph burton illwill Ooh. much to the frustration of the police don't know much about that story at all but that's uh, it seems like modern day psychic type scenario or it's, it reminds me of modern day psychic scenarios trying to solve crimes absolutely and then you take that in with the fact that like true crime has just always been a thing for humanity people yeah, have people always been super it. into it and that's crazy to think people were at home using their ouija boards to try to help solve and a crime calling the police and giving them uh, false information <laughs> right in 1921 the new york times reported that a chicago woman being sent to a psychiatric hospital tried to explain to doctors that she wasn't suffering from mania but that ouija spirits had told her to leave her mother's dead body in the living room for 15 days before burying her in the backyard. Oh, no. Not great. Not but, good. you know, you get, well, the Ouija says something, you gotta do it. In 1930, newspaper readers thrilled to accounts of two women in Buffalo, New York, who'd murdered another woman, supposedly on the encouragement of Ouija board messages. In 1930, newspaper readers thrilled to accounts of two women in Buffalo, New York, who murdered another woman, supposedly on the encouragement of Ouija board messages. Those darn Ouija spirits. They had it out for people, apparently. In 1941, a 23-year-old gas station attendant from New Jersey told the New York Times that he joined the Army because the Ouija board told him to. Hmm. In 1958, a Connecticut court decided not to honor the Ouija board will of Mrs. Helen Dal Peck, who left only $1,000 to two former servants and an insane $152,000 to Mr. John Gale Forbes, a lucky but bodiless spirit who'd contacted her via the Ouija board. What? Sounds like maybe she was just racist. And uh, yeah. didn't want to leave them any money. So not uh, not a good look on you, Mrs. Helen Dalpex. So she Dalpec. left her money to a Ouija ghost To instead. a ghost. 
Yeah, definitely not just someone random who was able to infiltrate her home and get <laughs> his name in place her of her, her poor servants. <laughs> Ouija boards even offered literary inspiration. In 1916, Mrs. Pearl Curran made headlines when she began writing poems and stories that she claimed were dictated via Ouija board mm. by the spirit of a 17th century Englishwoman named Patience Worth. That I was going to read that in the exact same voice. Well done. That's, Patience that's Worth. the old English voice. Patience Worth. <laughs> the, the following year, Curran's friend, Emily Grant Hutchings, claimed that her book, Jap Heron, was communicated via Ouija board by the late Samuel Clemens, mm. better known as who else but Mark Twain. Lucky. Yeah, what a plug. (laughs) Curran earned significant success, Hutchings less, but neither of them achieved the heights that Pulitzer Prize-winning poet James Merle did. In 1982, his epic Ouija-spired and dictated poem, The Changing Light at Sandover, won the National Book Critics Circle Award. Merrill, for his part, publicly implied that the Ouija board acted more or less as a magnifier for his own poetic thoughts rather than as a hotline to the spirits. Hmm. So he just sort of coasted on that. Right? Like, I was like, why are you even bringing it up then? Yeah, he brought it up. Someone might have changed his word, and he was like, well, okay. That means I'll win a prize. I'll take it. The Ouija board was simply a pop culture icon, though, as you can see, for decades. Hell, there was an I Love Lucy episode about one. There which was? There is, yeah. Side note, Lucille Ball, what a babe. Love her. Yeah. That all changed, though, as many things did, with a rising wave of satanic panic in the minds of fervent evangelicals across the country. Of course. Yeah. this It's crazy that like that was such a turning port for Christianity. It was so different. Before that point. Right. And it was no literally one knows being that. used in tandem <laughs> with Christianity. Like in the 1800s, this was, yeah, it was not uncommon. Yeah. This, along with the use of the board in the 1973 horror masterpiece, The Exorcist, great movie, really sealed the deal that this little game board was not just a game board. It was a tool being used by the devil to lead our youth astray. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do effects on that. Oh, should I not have joined no, that you? That was good. Okay. I saw the Maha, and I just really wanted to do it, too. (laughs) Or at least that's what all those crazy fundamentalists thought. And because that's pretty much the only form of Christianity in this fucked up country today, that's still the belief held by many, unfortunately. Filmmakers saw the reaction certain groups were having to the board, and what did they do? They doubled down. It's art. It is. It's around this time you start seeing the board in tons and tons of horror movies. It just, that's really, after that, everyone had to have a Ouija board. And so sales, once again, probably shot through the roof. I bet you they did. Just making that cash and wishing they hadn't sold the patent. (laughs) Yeah. That ghost is mad. Fold's ghost is kicking himself in the grave. He's pissed. He's like, I told you. Since then, the Ouija board has been demonized by churches across the country, being burned in bonfires along with evil things such as Pokemon cards and Harry Potter books. Catholic.com, in two, this is 2011, they called the Ouija board far from harmless, and the 700 Club host Pat Robertson declared that demons can reach us through the board. Fuck Pat Robertson. The 700 Club is a hardline cult. You'll never convince me otherwise. Those yeah. people are fucking insane. Um, also, if you are a part of a group who thinks that fucking Pokemon cards and books are the problem when this country reads at a 7th grade reading level on average, you should maybe take a long, hard look at whether or not you've been indoctrinated into a cult yourself. And yes, that reading stat is real. You guys want to hear something a little scarier than that? Most news stations write stories and present them at an 11th grade reading level, so there's a really good chance that crazy Fox News watching uncle of yours literally cannot actually grasp what he's being told. That's way scarier than a spooky ghost board, if you ask me. Anyways. Oh, yeah. Throw in some real spooky, spooky facts at us today, Chad. The real spook. <laughs> um. Ouch. <laughs> it's, that's, I don't, it's I like, don't say I'm laughing, is, but that's true. Yeah, that's all very real stuff. We were laughing, so we're not crying. Yeah, but no, it's the boards that are the problem. We're choosing to laugh instead of cry. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly but surely, as the years rolled on, the spiritual side of the Ouija board started to be chipped away and replaced by downright spookiness, especially as movies continued to throw it into any ghost movie they could. Um, it's still a hot commodity, though. People love their Ouija. Nowadays, people are looking for something a little scarier, though, using the board with friends to try and pull any old spirit or demon up out of the ground. They're a great way to make everyone get a little freaked out, and I'd be lying if I said I haven't used one myself several times. Which we'll talk about later. Yay. Like I said, just another little hint. I mean, I caved in and bought one of the Hasbro ones a few years ago to try and find some spooks on Halloween. No luck, unfortunately, but no we do have one head. now. But then also, like, I've cleansed that house so many times. <laughs> I know. Emily's very scared of them, and I'm not. 
We all want to believe that we're going to be able to talk to the dead with one of these, but is that true? Was it just a board game, or has it become an actual tool that can be used to make contact? As with many things we talk about, there are a few different beliefs. Now we're going to take a look at what science has to say about the boards. Then we'll chat about the group of people who simply want to believe in the power of the Ouija. If you've never used a Ouija board, the concept is pretty straightforward. With a group of people or by yourself, you place your hands lightly on a triangular pointer called a planchette. The planchette rests on the board itself, which has the words yes and no in its top corners, an alphabet in the center, and the word goodbye at the bottom. The idea is to summon the spirits you want to communicate with, and they'll move the planchette around the board to spell out answers to the question you ask, until they or you finally say goodbye and the spirits go back to wherever they came from. In fact, there's a simple scientific explanation. The mysterious mechanism that powers the Ouija board is called the idiomotor effect, and it's basically a way for your body to talk to itself. The idiomotor effect is an example of unconscious involuntary physical movement. That is, we move when we're not trying to move. If you've ever experienced the sudden feeling of jerking awake from sleep, known as the hypnic jerk, Oh, I do a hypnic jerk every night. Uh, you do. It's quite healthy, the hypnic jerk. Um, you've experienced a more abrupt version of the idiomotor effect, your brain signaling your body to move without your conscious awareness. The obvious difference is that the idiomotor effect happens when you're awake, so the reflexive movements you make are much smaller. In the case of a Ouija board, your brain may unconsciously create images and memories when you ask the board questions. Your body responds to your brain without you consciously telling it to do so, causing the muscles in your hands and arms to move the pointer to the answers that you, again unconsciously, may want to receive. Yeah, this the idiomotor effect. It's, it's really interesting. It's, it seems like it just like talking to the Ouija board activates your brain, and the rest just happens. It's crazy. Yeah, it's almost like if you think about it that way, then it, it kind of is a really cool like mental exercise. Yeah. Where you get to kind of figure out what's going on in your unconscious. There are multiple scientific studies that have shown various instances of the idiomotor effect in action. In one well-known and often repeated variant of the Ouija board test, blindfolded participants spell much more incoherent messages. Over the years, research has determined that the idiomotor effect is closely tied to subconscious awareness and that its effect is maximized when the subject believes he has no control of his movements. Paradoxically, the less control you think you have, the more control your subconscious mind is actually exerting. This is where the Ouija board's triangular pointer comes in. The planchette makes it easier to subconsciously control your muscle movements because it focuses and directs them even while you believe you aren't in control of them. Yeah, it's like the dot in the men's bathroom stalls where you pee at the dot and all your pee goes there. <laughs> I'm not familiar with the dot. You'll oh, you didn't have hear to... about? You never heard about the dot? No. Yeah, a lot of like, especially at bars and stuff, they put uh, they'll put like uh, just a little sticker on the inside of the toilet. And so that way, when you're pissed drunk, you can focus on that, and that's where your pee goes and not the wall. Lovely, lovely anecdote from the men's room. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm so happy to be clued in. Yeah, sometimes there are troughs in there. It's great. Ugh. A wonderful place, the men's bathroom. No. <laughs> it's also why the planchette seems to move even more effectively when multiple people are using the planchette at once. It frees everyone's mind to subconsciously generate creepy Ouija board answers together. The effect might also make the Ouija board an effective tool to help you tap into your own subconscious. Hey, that's what I was saying. You could learn about yourself instead. In 2013, researchers at the University of British Columbia's Visual Cognition Lab came up with a way to test and see if the Ouija board may actually be drawing information from deep, dark parts of your noggin. Their initial experiments involved a Ouija-playing robot. Participants were told that they were playing with a person in another room via teleconferencing. The robot, they were told, mimicked the movements of the other person. In actuality, the robot's movements simply amplified the participants' motions, and the person in the other room was just a ruse, a way to get the participant to think that they weren't in control. Participants were asked a series of yes or no fact-based questions and expected to use the Ouija board to answer. What the team found surprised them. When participants were asked verbally to guess the answers to the best of their ability, they were right only around 50% of the time, a typical result for guessing. 
But when they answered using the board, believing that the answers were coming from someplace else, they answered correctly upwards of 65% of the time. Yeah, it's interesting, right? That's weird. Yeah. Well, it was so dramatic how much better they did on these questions than if they answered to the best of their ability that we were like, this is just weird. How could they be that much better? And that's a recollection from Fells, who was one of the researchers. He also said, quote, it was so dramatic we couldn't believe it. The implication was that one's non-conscious was a lot smarter than anyone knew. The robot unfortunately proved too delicate for further experiments, but the researchers were sufficiently intrigued to pursue further Ouija research. They were able to come up with an alternative experiment. This time, rather than a robot, the participant actually played with a real human. At some point, the participant was blindfolded, and the other player, really a confederate, or someone who's also in on the experiment, quietly took their hands off the planchette. This means that the participant believed he or she wasn't alone, enabling the kind of automatic pilot state the researchers were looking for, but still ensuring that the answers could only come from the participant. And it worked. Rensink, another researcher, says some people were complaining about how the other person was moving the planchette around. This was a good sign that we really got this kind of condition that the people were convinced that somebody else was there. It's a good experiment. They really fucking they got, got them. Yeah, they did. <laughs> uh, their, their results replicated the findings of the experiment with the robot, that people knew more when they didn't think they were controlling the answers. Um, They reported their findings in the February 2012 issue of Consciousness and Cognition. Quote, you do much better with the Ouija on questions that you really don't think you know, but actually something inside you does know, and the Ouija can help you answer above chance. Um, UBC's experiments show that the Ouija could be a very useful tool in rigorously investigating non-conscious thought processes. Now that we have some hypotheses in terms of what's going on here, accessing knowledge and cognitive abilities that you don't have conscious awareness of, the Ouija board would be an instrument to actually get at that, Fells explains. Now we can start using it to ask other types of questions. It's so interesting. So cool. It's, it's interesting to me that they were able to take that silly little experiment and like actually uh, draw information out of it. Seriously. Science is cool, man. Science is really cool. Those types of questions include how much and what the non-conscious mind knows, how fast it can learn, how it remembers, even how it amuses itself, if it does. This opens up even more avenues of exploration. For example, if there are two or more systems of information processes, which system is more impacted by neurodegenerative diseases, such as Alzheimer's? If it impacted the non-conscious earlier, Rensink hypothesizes indications of the illness could show up in Ouija manipulations, possibly even before being detected in conscious thought. What? Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's so cool. Yeah, the fact that they linked it to Alzheimer's research is just so interesting. This is such a silly little thing that just came out of like, uh, we didn't include that in the intro, but the, uh, the actual research itself started because of an idea that happened at a house party where it was a bunch of uh, international students that hadn't seen one before and they were all playing with it and they kind of got the idea from that. So cool. Yeah. It's crazy what can happen when we just like allow creative juices to flow and we don't form unnecessary opinions about things and we kind of just allow people to play with their reality and play with the world around them. It's, It's insane what we can figure out and discover. For the moment, the researchers are working on locking down their findings in the second study and firming up protocol around using the Ouija as a tool. However, they're running up against a problem. Funding. Just like all scientists are, honestly. All the work they've done to date has been volunteer, with with Rensink himself paying for some of the experiment's costs. To get around this issue, they're looking to crowdfunding to make up the gap. If that doesn't describe the American education system, I don't know what does. Of course schools don't want to pay for research in the psych department. How else are they going to fund the football team? Yeah. (laughs) You're not at college to learn. You're here to get drunk in a field before arriving at, then leaving a football game halfway through. And how can you do that if we're not giving them every single fucking penny we have? Hmm? It's true. You know, they want to know that all of our half-drunk fans know 
that they have six different uniforms. Absolutely. They have to know it. You have to have the different uniform per month because every month has a different uh, awareness that we're trying to bring. And really, like, it's important that the football team um, wears pink. Right. I never once stayed for a full game. Stay for maybe two quarters max. Then I'd get bored and I'd leave. It's crazy the money that we're putting into those um, athletic entertainment systems instead of people you like know, shiny things. Science. I'll say it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. People love shiny things. Well, I hope they can find some funding soon because that's super interesting to me. I wonder how much more we could pull out of our subconscious. Somebody throw some money at them, stat. And before any of you start. Yes, I know there are more important studies that need funding first. This is all a joke. Please do not let our first email be someone yelling at me about grant funding in academia. I get it. But yeah. like, come on, it's a weech experiment. It would be cool. I'd like to learn more. I really do hope our first email is pleasant. Still waiting on it, folks. Still waiting. <laughs> Six months later. All right. So that's what science has to say about what's going on. While all of this may be true, there are many, many people out there who truly believe that something strange did happen to them while they had their hands on the planchette of a Ouija board. I always enjoy finding stories about our topic for the week, so in this episode, we're going to wrap up with some strange experiences that I found online, and if you're lucky, I'll tell you one of mine. Oh, shit. So I scoured the internet looking for people's experiences with Ouija boards, and uh, I found a couple that I think you guys are going to enjoy. This first one is from a Reddit user called Zombie Thoven. A friend of mine was really eager to get rid of her board. She said that no matter where she used it or with whom, the same spirit or entity would always try to contact her. She'd been keeping it in the bed of her truck for months because she didn't want it in her house. I didn't believe her and had always wanted one, so I took it and left it in the trunk of my car. Fast forward six months to my boyfriend and I being bored in our apartment one night. I decided to pull out the board and see what would happen. Nothing did. Not surprised, I left the board boxed on our table and forgot about it. Not long after that, weird shit started happening. At first it was odd, but pretty innocuous. I was reading on the toilet one day when the shower curtain next to me was ripped open. I thought it was the cats, but the bathroom door was closed. And when I stepped out, all three were fast asleep on the bed. Ooh. Yeah, spooky. A few days later, I was walking through the living room when the vacuum cleaner turned on by itself. Not too odd, I figured. Again, I thought the cats must have bumped into it. But when I looked, I saw the vacuum wasn't plugged in. As soon as I realized this, it stopped. I told my boyfriend about it, but he didn't believe me until things started happening to him. I work night shifts, so he spent a few days a week alone in the apartment. One morning, I came in to find him sitting up in bed looking shaken. The fact that he was awake alone was strange. He usually slept like a rock until I came home from work to wake him up. Even more unsettling was the fact that he looked so freaked out. This guy has always been the fearless daredevil type and has had his own experiences with the supernatural. He said nothing had freaked him out this badly before. He woke up in the middle of the night and while he sat in bed he heard an extremely loud crash in the living room. So loud it shook the apartment. He insisted that it was definitely in the apartment and not one of the neighbors. He likened it to the sound of a table being hurled across the room and into the wall. When he got up to check, nothing was amiss. The cats wouldn't have knocked anything over because we were getting ready to move and most of our things were packed and our furniture had been moved. He got back in bed, a bit shaken, and then something was thrown at him. He didn't want to investigate and couldn't sleep, so he sat in bed waiting for me to get home. When I looked, I found my hair straightener in the bed. The straightener always stayed plugged in on the bathroom counter. Whatever had thrown it would have had to unplug it and bring it around the corner to the bedroom to throw it at the bed. Weird. It is. Apparently it gets weirder. A few nights later, we came home and our cats were very agitated. Our cat, Sabrina, was especially distraught. I she, love that name. It's a good name for a cat. She kept running up to us, meowing and running back to our office, then back out again like she was trying to get our attention. We went back to investigate and found our heavy computer speaker had been lifted off the desk and wedged perfectly into the corner of the room about six feet away with all the connections intact. What? Weird. She kept pacing by the speaker, meowing and hissing. Creepy. Super creepy. We moved into our new house not long after, but by this point we'd started to suspect the Ouija board. I didn't bring it into the house. I left it in the downstairs storage area. For reference, you can only enter the house through the garage. There's a door leading into a storage area slash laundry room, and our door is off the storage room. 
The storage room often felt ominous, and a few times while I was down there, the door into the garage would open on its own accord and then slammed shut. One night, I got a feeling of intense foreboding and went downstairs. Sabrina was sitting at the door that leads to the storage room with her fur on end and growling. That was enough. I have theories on apartment poltergeists or mingling of human energy and the like, but I was not going to stand for anything in our new house. I took that shit to Goodwill the next day. <gasps> oh no! Where else do you take it? Since then, there's been no inexplicable weirdness in the house. She also has another story in here. This one is a bit more creepy. It happened to my best friend when she was a teenager. She had a few of her friends over, and they took the board to an old church one night. For reference, two of the party had dated and then broken up. I don't remember their names, so I'll call them CJ and JP. My friend sat down with CJ and another girl with the board. Everyone just sat around and watched. Before long, they made contact with something and started asking it questions. My friend asked it, who here do you love the most? The eye turned and pointed to CJ. She then asked who, hate, who it hated the most. The eye pointed to JP, CJ's ex. Mm. JP got pissed and started to walk away, of course. He had to pass them, though, to leave, and as he did, the eye pulled away from their hands and the board turned on its own so that the eye was always pointing to JP. The board wasn't a cheap cardboard one. It was an old, heavy wooden one that would have required very visible effort to move smoothly. For curiosity's sake, they had him walk in a circle around the board, and it turned in a complete circle several times, always following him with no one touching it. They packed their shit, nope the fuck out of there, and never yeah. used the board again. I would not want to be JP. No, it doesn't sound like he's got a lot of friends on the other side. Oh. It's those, So that's the first one. It's definitely Boopy. the longest. It's a little creepy, right? These Ouija board tells. All right, so let's do a little shorter one. This is from Rooster Culhane, also on Reddit. In high school, a couple friends, my friend's mom and myself, were talking about a local building being haunted. Uh, there is a soil conditioner. They sell dirt, bark, and other landscaping goods, apparently. that was rumored to be a location of a murder years before. Mm. Yeah. The mom worked there, so we decided to break out the board and give it a shot. I had never used one before, so I was skeptical from the jump. This place is essentially a large warehouse with tall metal racks, think Costco, stacked with bags of dirt, manure, bark, and other things like large ceramic flower pots. The board was glow in the dark, so we kept all the lights off, and once we got going, it started moving around, and I was freaking out already. We asked if something was there to let us know, and there was a loud bang that seemed to come from the rafters on the other side of the warehouse. Every question that followed was met with a similar bang from a various location in the warehouse, sometimes close and sometimes far. The last question asked was if it meant us harm and the thing already on the no answer did not move. The question was repeated and immediately followed by the closest noise yet. It seemed right on top of us. So we decided to ski fucking daddle. I like that. Good, yeah. good uh, <laughs> use of that word. As we were rushing out, we flipped on our flashlights and saw one or two large pots fall from the racks and heard what we could later find to be 40-pound bags of bark dropping to the ground. There was also a slow, low grinding noise that when my friends returned the next day was a sledgehammer that had been dragged through the dirt, covered cement floor, standing straight up in the air with drag marks but no fr footprints near. What? Yeah, so uh, you start to see a little bit of a pattern with the events. You, you you take the Ouija board, you talk to something you might not like, and eventually you start to get poltergeist activity. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, this is the last uh, Reddit one that I'm going to do, and then I'm going to give you guys my story. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are getting it. You're getting it good. This one comes from Slackerish. It's from This was from nine years ago. Wow, I love the internet. It's just a, just a history book. Yeah. So I'll be as brief as I can. I believe in the paranormal, but Ouija boards have always been something I should, I've been on the fence about. I know that's a lot of... I know that a lot of what I'm about to say is going to emit a lot of you shouldn't have fucking done that dumbass responses, and I accept that I handled the situation poorly. So that said, here we go. I love when Reddit stories start out like that. Yeah, it's like, I know I fucked up. Yeah. Last night, me and two friends were using his Ouija board when we contacted a particularly fucked up spirit. Two of us were high, and we were all drunk. And yes, I realize this is where the first problem in lies. Long story short, he told us he was a demon. He gave us a name we didn't remember or couldn't quite spell, something like Sejika, followed by a series of random letters, if I remember it co correctly. He said he wanted something from us, but wouldn't say what. He said he intended to hurt all of us. We asked him why he hated us. He said, Lust. Oh. <laughs> we that asked what fuck? we... Yeah, right. We asked what we lusted for. He said, Me. 
he did a figure eight. I later read this is not something you want a spirit to do. It's supposed to mean that they're upset and they, mm. or they're wanting to get out of the uh, their bonds. Oh. Yeah. It landed on the six and started saying other random things, but really didn't want us to leave. We finally left and in our stupidity contacted it a couple more times. Each time he said goodbye before we were done talking to it. So here is where it gets really weird. First off, within about five minutes, all of our cell phones act without us touching them. One of my friends gets a ring informing them that he has a text, but there's no text. One of them says he has missed a call, then looks to see that he has no missed call. I look at the couch and my phone has dialed the number zero and is calling it. Shortly after, the stereo turns on without any of us even being remotely near it. We decided to go to our friend's house. Yeah, gotta go. Yeah, it's time to leave. So here's where it gets really weird. We get back at around 3 a.m. My friend had lost his key and lives in a decent part of town, so he didn't lock his door. We get back, and it's locked. At this mm. point, his roommate was there and was able to get let us in with her keys. In the kitchen, every single cabinet has been opened. Initially, it looks like a break-in, but we had multiple laptops, a PS3, and a TV, none of which was taken. Nothing was removed, just moved. At this point, it hasn't done anything else. We made it through the night without anything weird happening. So, I asked the experts on our paranormal, what the fuck is going on? Oh. Yeah, I like his, his too long didn't read. We fucked with an alleged demon and all my friend's furniture got moved around. WTF. Oh shit, was there ever a follow-up? Nope, doesn't look like it. Uh, ah! That's one of the many uh, stories that ended too soon on the yeah. internet. Yeah. Alright, so those are our Reddit stories, so I'm going to tell you guys my story now. Yay! So, when I was like <laughs> like a freshman, or maybe it was even a sophomore in college, I really got into like just fucking around with these. I would make them on just paper. I would just write letters, and I would put a yes and a no on there, and it's a ring of numbers and stuff. And I would take a coffee filter, and I would cut out a ring with a coffee filter, and I would use that as my planchette. So me and my friends, we'd get together with this thing. We'd uh, eat a couple sandwiches... As it, they oh, used to say in How I Met nice Your Mother, right? Back. Honestly, that's it. the only part of that show that I like. That was a great part of the They're show. Eating the sandwiches. Eating the sandwiches. Um, yeah, so we were, we'd eat some sandwiches and then we would uh, try it out. And so we only did it a couple of times, but it was like the the first or second time. It was there were three of us. Two of us had our hand on it. One person was not about it. He did not think that it was going to be fun at all. It really creeped him out. He'd never seen, never touched one. And so we were doing it, and we it started to move. And it was someone named V. They were a flower girl that had died in town, is what they told us. And and you've strange. looked into what a flower girl means yeah, in your town, and right? They were these little girl. They were people that would sell flowers in baskets in uh, in town. At we had a spa there, like a very. It was at the time it was a very famous spa. It's burned down three times, but at mm-hmm. the time it was like very fancy, and they would have these these people go out there and sell flowers. But that's apparently that's what they did. And our friend who was laying on the couch was just like, I don't believe any of this. This is bullshit. And so we were like, what could we do to make you believe that this is happening? And he was like, ask it my social security number. Well, wouldn't you fucking know it? It did. And it freaked him out bad. And I and don't know why any of y'all would know each other's social security I have numbers. no idea. We were eating sandwiches. Right. We, we don't. We, we weren't discussing that. And uh, to this day, no one has been able to explain it. Maybe it was an inside joke, and they were really fucking with me. But and they it just doesn't... held to it for a, yeah, over a like, decade, just for been twelve hiding years. Some deep dark secret inside, and so uh, yeah, that's really was the big experience that I had uh. with them. But for a while, it's it felt like we were getting some sort of a reaction from it when we used it. It never felt like I was moving it, but yeah, I guess you know, according to science, it doesn't feel like you're moving it, right? But. Uh, that did happen, and I've heard additional stories from within my family of of, of Ouija board use and things that they experienced. Uh, one of my cousin's mothers saw a little green man sitting in a chair after they asked it to whatever they were speaking to to reveal itself. It was a group of people that saw that happen. It was a flash. There was a little green thing in a chair, and then it was gone. What the fuck, Chad? I've never heard that story. Yeah, that one's always kind of skeeved me out a little bit. It is uh, one <gasps> of the creepier things. It was uh, my aunt, who I'm this. not going to tell her name. Oh, no, you can delete it. It was my aunt. <gasps> yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. Where did they do that? I don't know. I, I need to know one more. one of the houses in no. Hot Springs. Uh, were um, they communicating with aliens? I could have been. I don't know. <laughs> Um, my dad's sister also has had some experiences with the the Ouija boards. They were sitting around at a table. Used they had a, a candle lit, and apparently the candle would like point at people. She claimed and stuff. And she's Ooh. she's pretty much like 
she's into this type of spooky stuff. She believes in ghosts and whatnot, and so I don't know why she would lie to me about that. But um, right. so she's had similar experiences as, as well. Apparently, they threw a Ouija board away one time out of fear, and it ended up back in the house somehow. They oh. don't know how that happened. So yeah, those are the big experiences that I've had. I don't necessarily know what I believe about it. I don't know if it was ever intended to be a tool in that way. But if we all agree on something, then it does become real. And if we all agree that this is a tool that we can use to communicate with spirits, then why not, right? Yeah, it's like a like the Tulpa effect. We we create our own reality, and this there are a lot of people that are using this as a tool. So it might just be one now yeah I, yeah I, I think so but those are the stories so i have no idea how popular this opinion will be but i'm gonna throw my two cents in as let's we wrap hear up. it when i hear the stories people have about ouija boards and then i read about some of the scientific work that's been done involving them i end up returning to a passage from my holy book stephen king's the stand <laughs> great books so good read it there's a few pages where I believe, I think it's Stu Redman, one of the, basically the protagonist. He has a conversation with someone about humans and how at some point in the past we had this psychic connection to one another. As time moved on and the advent of industrialization gave way to new technologies, our psychic abilities became sort of a vestigial organ, mm. something that became dormant within our brains. It's an idea that I think about often. What if, somewhere deep in our minds, we were once able to communicate with the sort of sixth sense we've all been looking for? Maybe having something to affix our focus towards does, in fact, open up some minuscule part of that ability. Could be. I right? love that theory. You you wrote that for me. <laughs> I, I love it. I'm glad you it. liked it, but that is really something that, I, that all connected in that way to me. I absolutely, I like, I totally agree with that theory. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that research from UBC kind of confirms it, right? It shows that we're answering more than 50% of the questions correctly using the board. And statistically, that's better than chance. That's, that's more than chance. Yeah. And so whatever the case may be, I can tell you one thing for sure. The Christians are going to burn it. Oh, no. The filmmakers are going to keep using it. And society is always going to have a special place in its heart for the Ouija board. Hell yeah. And that's the episode. Well Woo-hoo, done. I love that. That's a great one. Yeah, that was, I, I, I loved all things spooky. Ouija boards are do hold a special place in my heart. I, I've always enjoyed them. I don't get much of a reaction anymore. It's kind of like the Polar Express where you can't hear the bell after you grow up. Oh, no. That's we it. just got to go to a really haunted place. I think so. That, that's, that, that's how we're going to do it. Yeah, that would probably help because we were just doing it in our apartment. And, uh, you know, it, it wasn't that old. Yeah, the one <laughs> I don't time think that bad I... bad happened there. The, the time, I did it once when I was growing up. And we did it in the middle of the Charlotte suburbs. So I just would think, yeah, we if did we went it somewhere else. We might have a little bit of uh, better luck. I was able to convince my friends to use one. We were at like a church retreat, and <laughs> my, my mom was there, and like my parent, my oh, friends' parents it. were there. And I was like, just check this out. And we used, we made one. And we used a glass to move it around, and it scared the shit out of my mom. Did and it? She was like, stop it, stop it right now. Oh and my god. We had to just quit. You're um, summoning the devil himself. Yeah, I. I have never like had a problem using them. I don't care at all. And a lot of people are very much against it. I only care because you also have a copy of the Lesser Key of Solomon. I do have I that. just want to make sure that we close the door. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, you, you I, I just don't want to leave it open. I would rather not live in a haunted home. That's understandable. That's I, all. I guess I could see that because my house was haunted. We can talk about that later too. I'll yeah. leave you on that. Oh, shit. <laughs> If you want to know more about what we've talked about today, we'll be posting our source links in our Discord as usual, along with a link that we haven't mentioned yet. It's a link to an amateur historian slash collector of Ouija boards that I ran across as I scoured the internet for info. It's called awesome. MysteriousPlanchette.com, and this guy looks exactly like the leader of like a nefarious carnival. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> he looks like he very he very much enjoys what he's doing, right? He's got some photos of him and his collection along with his now ex-wife. So maybe he got too lost in the sauce, but that's how you know it's good, right? So good. So anyways, go check all this stuff out. You can find all these links in our Discord, which I wish so much that you join. When we're not together with you, we get sad, so be with us forever via Discord. Do it. You can find our link to our Discord in our Instagram and Twitter, the underscore LRH underscore pod. Uh, Give us a follow on there as well. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the LRH pod. And you can reach us via email, please. And thank you uh, at the LRH show at gmail.com. 
If you want to contribute to the podcast, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the LRH podcast. Join one of our tiers. Get cool stuff. That's all I have for you today. Yeah. We'd love to we'd love to see you on any of our platforms though, guys. I especially I just want the Discord to grow really more than anything right now. I want our community to grow. You I'd guys have no idea how excited we get when we see somebody's join the Discord. Yeah. It is like a it's happy. a thing in our house for yeah. sure. Oh, also, as usual. Uh, if you're on Apple, please leave us a review. If, you, if you're able to leave us a review on whatever platform you're listening to, please do. Those help get more eyes on the show. People look at those sometimes. I, you know, Occasionally, I even I do when I'm looking at other people's podcasts. And uh, they help a ton. So if you can do that, we'd really appreciate it. If you're on YouTube or if you're not on YouTube, go on YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. and Help us beat the robot over there and help us get thrown into the people's faces on yeah. YouTube. Hit that like button. Yeah, like and subscribe. Like our videos. It helps a lot. Mm-hmm. And I believe that is it for now. It's That's all the things. so we nice to have a full-length episode again. It feels like it's been really long. It's only yeah. been two weeks. It's really not been. It's just been a long couple of weeks. It for has. Us. It's but been, we're so stoked to be back, you guys. Yeah, between moving and the getting the vaccine, this fucking the past two weeks have been an absolute blur. We're so happy to be back, and we're so happy that you, the listener, are here with us. So thank you. Love you guys. Yeah, all of you. And that's it, right? That's it. Keep an eye out for our mini sode coming out next Monday and a full length episode after that. We got some other fun stuff coming down the pipe, so tune in to the signal. Yeah, and as always, join us next time on The, the Long, Long Road, Road Home. Home. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>